Probably the biggest question in life that we need to be asking and getting answered is regarding every area of our life is this. What does, what does God say about this? And if you'll find out what does God say about this, about my relationship, about my finances, about that doctor's report, about this, about that, about this problem that I'm dealing with, this thing I'm concerned about. What does God say about that? What about this wonderful thing that just happened? Uh, what does God say about it? We've got to make it our business to find out what he says concerning these things. Let's go ahead and look in Hebrews chapter 1 and read the first uh, three verses here. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, long ago God spoke. Everyone say God spoke. Long ago God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, say now. Now, in these final days, this, this period of time, dispensation that we're in, he has spoken to us through his son. Get that. He has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. And this all hangs on this idea and clause that God has spoken. God has spoken. And what we need to know is God has spoken through his son. And that's where we zero in on what Jesus has said. In these times, now, God has spoken to us through his son. That brings us into... New Testament and the church age, this dispensation and what Jesus has said is what needs to be honored. And that's what we need to get really clear and, and zeroed in upon on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I ended last last week the service with this on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took and that's not the name of the mountain. That's just a, an event in the Bible. Uh, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him. They went up into this mountain and as they got up in there. Suddenly, Jesus' face began to shine like the sun, and his clothing turned into light. And suddenly, Elijah and Moses are standing there with Jesus. And how many of you know you'd freak out? So Peter just starts talking because that's what, how many of you know when you freak out, sometimes that's all you know to do is just, just start talking, okay? The other guys, who knows what they were doing? One was probably calling his mom, another was taking a picture, you know, or whatever it would be. Actually, none of that was possible. But um, Peter just starts talking. We've got to build a memorial. We've got to build a monument to this and this. And then suddenly a voice came out of heaven and said, and get this, this is my beloved son. Drew all the attention. This is my beloved son. And these next two words are crucial for us. It says, hear him, hear him. And that is so powerful for us. We need to find what Jesus said. We need to hear him. And that phrase there in the Greek, hear him, it means to give attention in such a way so that you can, you can understand so that you can do hear him. It's a, it's a total focus. And so as we look at what Jesus said, I want us to make sure that we hear him. Can I get an amen out of anybody? And as we find out truly what Jesus said, as we see many places in scripture, it says when he finished saying what he was saying, it says the people were astonished. I think this is going to stun us. It's going to, it's going to impact you in a deep, deep way that we're going to be astonished by what all Jesus has said. How many of you did your homework last week? Awesome. Some of you are looking at me like, 
what homework? I didn't know we had homework. How many of you remember that in school? You'd show up and you go, we had homework? And uh, been there. Uh, you had homework and it was to read Matthew 5 through through 7. It's 111 verses divided up over seven days, less than 16 verses a day. You can do it. Okay. So probably the reason you didn't do it is because you forgot. Okay. And so uh, I want you to go ahead and try to do that. Catch up on last week's homework. Okay. Will you do that? And then for everybody, I've got some new homework for this week. You ready? Do the same thing again. Matthew 5 all the way through chapter 7. And, and hear me on this. Don't, don't excuse yourself, exempt yourself and say, oh good, because I've already done that. No, that's not what we're talking about. What we're trying to do in this incredible passage of scripture called the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to get real familiar with, it, with what Jesus said. Go back through it again. Take your time. And some of you, the overachievers, uh, read it in several different translations. Start to hear it in some different ways. You're just going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. It's going to help you to do that. And it will enrich our times together too if you'll, if you'll take the time to do that. Well, let's look in Matthew chapter 5, uh, beginning the Sermon on the Mount here. And, and Jesus begins with what are called the Beatitudes. Matthew 5 verse 1, it says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, as I said, this is called the Beatitudes. And maybe your Bible, however it's organized, the editors have put in there the Beatitudes. And what a Beatitude is, it's, it's a literary form or formula wherever uh, there's an expression or proclamation of blessing. So it's like blessed is, blessed are, you're blessed if, those kind of things throughout Scripture. That is technically a, a, a beatitude. And there's a number of them. Let me pull a few of them out. There's so many. Psalm 1 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's a beatitude. Uh, Psalm 2 12, Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Psalm 8, uh, Proverbs 8 34, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. Revelation 14 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Then Revelation 22 verse 14 toward the end of the book said, blessed are those who do his commandments. And so over and over we see these beatitudes that you're blessed. How many of you are blessed? Let me try it again. How many of you are blessed? Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about what blessed is actually is here as, as we go along here in a moment as well. First of all, realize that blessings can only come from God. Blessings can only come from God. No one else can bless you. And you say, well, pastor, you always tell us that we're blessed so we can be a blessing. Is, is that accurate? Well, sure, it's accurate. You can be a blessing, but how many of you know you're not the source of the blessing? You're blessed because you got blessed because of some gift, some thing, some whatever that God has done for you, you're able to do for others. I also believe this, that all blessings come through relationships. It's hard to be blessed when you isolate yourself. That's the beauty of being part of the family of God, the community of faith. And let me just go ahead and tell you, and I'm just kind of letting this out just a little bit. We're working on something very intently right now. Hope to be able to tell you 
uh, a couple things within weeks here, but we're working toward groups, toward small groups, because I think relationships are so, so vital. And we can come and have a fabulous service, but we grow really in relationships. And so we'll be talking about that. We're going to do it like you've never seen it done before and uh, going to invite all of you into it. So blessings come through relationships, but ultimately know this, that all blessings come from God. He's the only source for our blessings. Can you give me a good amen on that here this morning? So to properly understand the Beatitudes, the beauty of the blessings for us, we have to, like anything else, we're going to have to observe and, and present this in context. So I've seen before a little laminated card with the Beatitudes on it, or, you know, somebody's cross-stitched it, or you got it on a poster or a screensaver, or, or uh, maybe you've got a tattoo of the whole Beatitudes or something. I don't know. Um, that'd be a long one. Um, but the Beatitudes by themselves, and hear me on this, are not going to make sense by themselves. You have to put them in context. Context is important. If you don't put things in context, it's easily misunderstood. Case in point, we're in a political season. And there's all kinds of commercials out where everybody attacks everybody else. And they take a little soundbite. They take a little, they said this. And you can take that out of context. It's possible to take that out of context and totally skew what really, really happened. And that's just dirty. And I'm just so tired of it. Just wanted to say that. But... Um, Anyway, let's keep going on this. Uh, but to properly understand Scripture and case in point, Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes, we're going to have to look at that in context. So let's back up just a little bit. We've been in Matthew 5. We're going to go back into Matthew 4. And let's look down here in verse 17. And it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get that phrase. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then in verse 23 of Matthew 4, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Here, here it is. Jesus' main theme and the context in order for us to understand Sermon on the Mount and today the Beatitudes is this, the kingdom of God. Everybody say the kingdom. Mark, depending on which gospel you're in, some call it the kingdom of heaven, some call it the kingdom of God. But a kingdom is a place of rule. It's a, it's a place of dominion. It's a realm uh, where one has power. And so the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is a place. Uh, it, it, it can be in your life. It can be, you know, uh, in a situation. It can be in your heart. Just like a king would have a kingdom. That kingdom can, can be or not be within you. And we want to make sure that it is within us. Amen? Now... The kingdom of heaven, this was Jesus' message, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. What he's doing, he's signaling the arrival. John the Baptist had been preaching this. John was the voice in the wilderness and, and pretty much preparing the way and talking about the coming king and the coming kingdom that was coming. Now Jesus is saying it's here. Everybody say it's here. But what we have to understand about the kingdom, it's here, but all the words that are used for this, plus the bulk of Scripture, he says in one place, it's coming, it's near, it's at hand, it's in you. In the Greek, a couple places it says it's in breaking. 
And so let me tell you what, what I believe Scripture teaches about the kingdom, the place of God's rule. It is this, that it is here, but it is more and more present. If, if you uh, are a musician, you understand a symbol called a crescendo. And a crescendo, it starts out small or soft, and then it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And technically, the crescendo goes until you get some other kind of signal. And you need to know that regarding the kingdom of God, Jesus said, John the Baptist says it's coming. Old Testament said, it's coming, it's coming. Jesus said, it's here. But you need to know that the we're still waiting on the fullness of adoption, the fullness of redemption, the fullness of time, and the fullness of the kingdom. Isaiah prophesied this, of the increase, everybody say increase, looks like a crescendo, of the increase of his government, what is that? It's his rule. And peace, what's that? It's the result of his rule. You want peace in your life? Do it his way. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So not only is there no end to his government and peace, his kingdom, there's also this. There's no end. Read it properly. There's no end to the increase. So it continues. So, and I can only touch on this for a moment. This explains sometimes why, why didn't that happen fully like the word shows? Why didn't that happen fully like I prayed or like I, like I believed? And it's because the kingdom is still in breaking. It's still, there are still other kings. There are still other king, kingdoms. One day there will be one kingdom. There will be the king of kings. Okay? And it's continued. So you have to keep that in context that there is a present kingdom and there's the ultimate kingdom. You follow me? There's the present and then there's the ultimate and there's everything in between. Now the kingdom then is more and more present. And the Beatitudes can only be understood, they can only be applied, they can only be enjoyed, really, with putting that in the context of the kingdom in these terms. C.S. Lewis said this. Somebody gave me a a book of C.S. Lewis quotes. And it says this, He cannot bless us unless He has us. He cannot bless us unless He has us. And we're talking about the, the Beatitudes, the blessing of God. Well, He really... In many senses, how many of you know he blessed you before you knew he had you? But now we want to voluntarily, as a citizen of his kingdom, he cannot bless us unless he has us. Let's go down verse 3 of Matthew chapter 5. You out there? And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And notice... Starts out this whole pattern of blessed, blessed, blessed. And I asked you earlier if you're blessed. There are eight Beatitudes. We're just going to look at a couple of them this morning. If you read, though, it goes on in verse, uh, I think, 11 and 12. There's another blessed. But I think that's explanatory for the last one. And uh, it's kind of parenthetical, so to speak. So blessed are there's these declarations. So let's look and see what blessed really is, first of all. And and let me just ask you, how many of you want to be blessed? Okay, let's see what blessed is. One of the definitions of blessed is happy. I believe the people of God should be happy. And your happiness is not based on your happenings. 
And we get real confused about that sometimes because it's not going the way that I want it. But you don't let that rob you of your happiness if truly you're blessed. Did that have to do with anybody here today? And then also, I think sometimes we misconstrue what blessed is. And we think if we see somebody that has a lot of money or they've got a lot of this or a lot of that or they can do this or whatever, we say, man, they're really blessed. You know what? I've met people before. I know people who got a lot of everything and they're not blessed. They're not blessed. So you can have the whole world and lose your soul, and that's no good. We want to be blessed. Listen to me, church. We want to be blessed. And we're not going to understand this except in the context of the kingdom. You can only be blessed inside the kingdom. You can only be blessed if he is your king. He cannot bless you if he does not have you. And Jesus said some things, and the Father said, hear him. And he said some things about being blessed that we've got to get a hold of so that the people of God can be blessed. So blessed means happy. And I think you should be happy. And I want to go ahead and say, I think you should express it. And I think you should express it more than you already have this service. I mean, it helps me to know I don't have a hostile audience. You know that you're like, all right. And, and, I don't, and I don't mean put on your fake church face. I mean, you know what I mean by that. And we try not to do that around here. I don't like fake church faces. Do you know what I mean? And they don't just happen at church. They happen on aisle six at the grocery store. Seriously, I'll come around the corner and see you and you're beating your kid. And you go, oh, pastor, glory to Jesus. But we should just be real. You should just, hey, if I catch you, doing, and I'm not trying to catch you, but if I just say, Pastor, will you pray for me? <laughs> and you better pray for this one. Okay. We, we don't need to fake. But blessed means happy. Blessed also means God's special favor. A word study produces that blessed means a condition in which congratulations are in order. It means to be envied. It means to be fortunate. It means a whole lot of things. But I just had to boil it down. I did a lot of study on this, word study and digging in. And then I realized my takeaway from this, here's my definition of, of blessed. You ready? Helped by God. Because I could tell you I'm not perfect, but I sure am blessed. My family, my marriage, this ministry... So many things in my life would say, well, that, that's not perfect and it's not this and we don't have that or what. But I can tell you this. We are so blessed. What are you saying? What are you saying? Helped by God. And if you have a business or whatever, wouldn't you want your business blessed? You know what that means? Helped by God. Well, he can't bless it if he doesn't have it. So you give these things to God and get that's what blessing is. And that's what we're going to see also as a result and benefit here of the Beatitudes. So let me dive in and I'm, I'm going to go kind of quick on these things. Let's look in verse 3 again. And it says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The blessing of that, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit. What on earth does that mean? It does not mean just poor. Because if it's just, if you're poor, you're blessed. That doesn't even make Makes sense all the way, but follow this. It's poor in spirit, but we have to take the word poor. That's the descriptor. Poor means I don't have. It's without resources. It's without strength. 
It's without ability to help myself in any way. And the result of that is not just that you're poor, that you're without, but the result of that is that you're humble and you're without pretense and you're dependent upon God. So hear this, to be poor in spirit means that you recognize I need God. Without him, I can do nothing. I have nothing. I know nothing. I am nothing. And here's the wonderful thing. If you'll be poor in spirit, and I encourage you to be poor in spirit and follow this and to stay in this sense, poor in spirit, because he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So follow this. You're blessed. You're helped by God. If you're poor in spirit, which means I recognize that God, it's in you I live and move and have my being. I can't do anything. I don't have anything. I'm poor. I'm lost, powerless, helpless without you. I recognize my total dependency upon you. And guess what that is? That's your, he's, what's the blessing? He says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how you get in. That's how you get in. Now follow me. That's not just how you get in. That's the way once those of you who are in, that's the way you're supposed to be. You're to continue in your life in this sense, poor in spirit. And don't get confused by the blessing and success and and God helping you to do something. Deuteronomy warns us about that. It says, after this has happened for you and that's happened for you and you've got your house and you've got your crops and you've got your this and you've got your that. And now you think, you know, it's my power and the might of my hand. I did this. Awesome me. God said, in the day that you do that, you're in trouble, Bubba. He said, don't forget it's the Lord who gave your hands the power to do anything. And so never confuse the blessing of God with your own personal success. Always turn back and look at everything and say, God helped me. God helped me. God helped me. Not only be poor in spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who are in the kingdom of heaven. That's the way we're supposed to be. It's poor in spirit that God helped me. God helped me. God helped me and I need him. Can I get an amen for that here this morning? Now, let's look here in verse 4. It said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. You mourn because of something. Now, I know there's some people that just bellyache for no reason. But you mourn because of something. You mourn because of loss. You mourn because of grief. You mourn because of setback or problem or hurt or sadness. And the blessing is, it says, blessed are those who mourn. Follow this carefully. Blessed are those who mourn, and here's the blessing, for they shall be comforted. So if you mourn, you'll be comforted. Now listen to me. Look at me. But only in the kingdom. You can have hurt and setback and pain and all those things, and you, you can mourn, but you're never going to really have the full comfort outside of the kingdom. You know, there's scripture, and I use it in a lot of funerals that, that I would have to do. And it says, we mourn, we sorrow, but not like those who have no hope. So in the kingdom, we have a sadness with hope. We might be in pain, but we have full expectation helps on the way. 
Relief will be here. The trouble that you have right now, listen to me, the trouble, the problem, the situation that you're dealing with right now, if you're in the kingdom, here's the blessing. You'll be comforted. I said, you'll be comforted. And remember that we talked about the kingdom. The kingdom is present and the kingdom is ultimate. It is more and more present. So in the present, here's how the comfort happens. Right now, the comfort happens. It's either near, it's either here or it's near. So if you haven't been comforted yet, it's, it's on the way. Do you hear me? That's good news. It's on the way. In the present, you will be comforted. And guess what? In the future, forever you'll be comforted. It's a permanent kind of thing. Listen, weeping in, may endure for the night. Joy comes in the morning. And there's a day coming where there won't be any sorrow. There won't be any mourning. Revelation 21 forces and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And they sh- there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Behold, I do a new thing. As Alicia told, told you, we had Gavin around the house some yesterday, my little two-year-old grandson. And Lee brought him over kind of late morning. And, and uh, he said, hey, I've got some place I've got to go. Katie's at work. Alicia was busy doing a bunch of things. And he wanted to know if we could watch him for a little bit. And I said, I'll do it. So it was just Gavin and Peepaw. So we got busy playing and um, my knees right now are raw. I've got carpet burns just really bad on my knees. Honestly, I'm praying they don't bleed through my pants this morning. It's just because we're running around just crazy and stuff. And then he calls our pool bubbles. So he went bubbles. So we went, we played in the pool. And and honestly, it's one of the most precious times I've had with him thus far in life because it's just he and I and we're just interacting and he would just belly laugh and we're just talking and interacting he said some things I understood he said other things that he meant with all his heart and I don't know what he said (laughs) but it was awesome but every now and then a little guy that's that active and we're doing all this stuff you know one time he fell down and one time he ran into something and then one time I don't know what happened and, and little tears will come quick They'll come quick and a little face, you know, just it goes south real quick, you know. And so I'm just there with him and I'm thinking, you're sad. Look at my knees. No, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do that. But the little tears, I want you to think about this. One of the ways of comfort is just natural is to wipe away the tears. What does that do? I mean, what does that do? That's just salt water, but it's an act of comfort. In Revelation, it says that he's going to wipe away all our tears. There's coming a day that whatever has pained you now will, will pain you no more. And that can only happen. That can only happen in the kingdom. And then in verse 6. It said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. How many of you are hungry right now? Okay, I'm hungry. I'm yeah, I'm. Mentally hold myself back. Lunch will be here in a little bit. All right. We'll, we'll do that. Uh, I like to eat. Um, and then let me just say, hunger here is, is descriptive for us. To hunger and thirst for something. To hunger and thirst. And what it is, it's a desire. It's intense. It's ravenous. I've got, uh, if you're truly hungry and thirsty, you've got to be filled. 
And he said, you would be filled. And what we're thirsty and hungry for is, is, the, is God's righteousness, his way of doing things and being right with him, that we would just hunger and thirst for that. And folks, listen to me. I want you to come to church and be more hungry. I don't want you to come with your dainty finger out and taste and see the Lord is good. I want you to belly up to the table and it's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. Because when you're hungry, listen, when you're hungry, when you're hungry, it affects how you do things. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you hunger and thirst for God, it, it will affect how you read the Bible in the morning. It will affect how you pray. Your little one's got a fever. You won't pray some little, Lord, if it's your will. No, you're going to deal, you're going to, effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's going to affect how you serve. It's going to affect how you love others. It's going to affect how you forgive because you've got this hunger about you. Are you following me? I had a coach in high school that said, don't just run. Run like you stole something. That clicked for me. I should be in the Olympics. When Pastor John sang this morning... He could have just properly, you know, positioned himself in peace. You know, he could have done all that. I think I would have thrown something at him. But you know what he did? He sang with a hunger and with a thirst this morning. Amen. Last century, I was, I was in... Uh, I was up at Florida State. I was going to Florida State, and it was around Thanksgiving time. I was about to come home. We didn't have cell phones, email, all that stuff. You wrote a letter, sent a card. It's three weeks before you're going to get something back. And my, my folks were like, don't call us too much. It costs too much, you know. So it's like, you know, just do smoke signals and, you know, <laughs> release butterflies and hope they know I'm thinking about them, you know, or something. Uh, so I'm actually... Coming home for a little break from school, and I actually, coming from Tallahassee, going to Leesburg, where, where I grew up, I actually stopped in Ocala, little did I know, and I stopped at a McDonald's on my way home because I was just famished. And I loaded up, I got the Big Mac and the double cheeseburger and got, you know, just all this stuff, and, and I'm full. And then I thought, you know, I need to call mom because she said, let her know. Uh, and so I stopped and got a, a pay phone. It was at a Swifty Swanee convenience store. I don't know why I even remember that. And I, I called her and so she's oh, okay, good. And she says, so where are you? And I said, I'm in Ocala. And she says, okay, good. Well, this is going to work out just right because boy, do I have a meal cooked. <laughs> but guess what? When I bellied up to the table, I was hungry because hunger is a decision too. Yeah. And you need to be careful when you're hungry that you don't fill up on junk. That you don't fill up on wrong stuff. Because I'm going to tell you, everybody's hungry. Everybody's thirsty. There's constantly in you. And you've got to be careful because you're going to try to fill with other things that won't fill. And you need the good stuff. Amen? All right. Let me, let me move on here. Hunger and thirst. And let that show up. Listen. Run like you stole something. Read the Bible like it really matters. Pray like this is really going to make a difference. Get to church and feed on the Word of God. I'm not giving you a speech. I'm not giving you a talk. I'm giving you the words of life. I'm giving you things that will help you. Take them. Hunger, thirst. And the Bible says you'll be filled. Let me share one other thing in closing. I can't do all the Beatitudes today, but I encourage you to continue to look at these things in the context of the kingdom of God. Look down to verse 10 with me, if you will. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
In essence, he's saying, because it cannot be taken away from you. And then I think the next two verses explain it a little bit. It says, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we're living in a day where there's more and more opposition. And there's an antichrist spirit in the world today. I have people say, is the antichrist in the world? I don't know. I don't know, but the spirit of antichrist, and First John talked about it, the spirit of antichrist is certainly in the world. And there's tolerance for religion. There's no tolerance for truth. There's no tolerance. You can mention God, but how many of you know that? And I'm so thankful so many of our Olympians, USA Olympians, want to give glory to Jesus. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And you... You talk about a million other things, but how many of you know that the one holding the microphone gets a little nervous when you start, start talking about, and I want to, first of all, give glory to Jesus, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 take me to a commercial, you know? <laughs> and so there's, there's increased opposition to the kingdom. But hear me on this. It doesn't have to do with you. And it doesn't have to do with me. We're not that important. It has to do with what time it is on God's clock. And they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And Jesus is saying this. He's saying this. If you ever have any trouble, hear me. If you ever have any trouble because of me, because you're with me, I will more than repay you. I will give you grace in this life. And he says, and rejoice and be exceedingly glad because great is your reward in heaven. And if you think you're persecuted, we don't know what persecution is. I believe it's increasing in our country. And that's not to scare you. It doesn't have anything to do with us, really. It's what time it is. And God will give you grace and God will give you wisdom. And the darker it gets in the world, the brighter it's going to get because of the kingdom. Isaiah talks about that. Amen. So you just, you just hold steady in that. And we don't really know what persecution is. And there are people even being martyred for their faith, not years ago, now in other parts of the world. And there's more than the news would ever want to present to you. And there's some nations where there's just no tolerance to the gospel or Christianity. And we don't know what persecution is. You know, somebody gives you a gesture in traffic and you think it's because of your Jesus bumper sticker. It's probably just because you're a really bad driver. But I love this. Listen to me. Get in the kingdom. Let Jesus be king. Get under his authority so you can be blessed. Stay poor in spirit. We didn't get to some of these. Be meek. You know, helped people, help people. Show mercy to people. Be pure in heart. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. All the things that are listed in there. Get into a place where God can bless you. Where God can what? Where God can help you. That's the place to be. And as the heat gets turned up, so to speak, in the world around you, don't let that bother you one bit because this is what he said. Blessed are those who persecuted for my name's sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Which is saying this, they can take nothing away from you. Nothing away, away from you. The kingdom is the place to be. And you're blessed, but you can only be blessed in the kingdom. And I want to encourage you, the way into the kingdom is arriving at that place where saying, 
I'm poor in spirit. I don't have what it takes. I need you. My dependency is upon you. Get that, and that's your entrance. Keep that, and that brings the blessing of God into your life. There's so much more to say about what Jesus said, and I'll tell you what, everything I see that he says, I am astonished. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today?